This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. God is using Heart for Lebanon to bring practical assistance and the gospel to the stricken refugee families in Lebanon. For a gift of $116, you can give a child and his family survival essentials for four months and the hope of Jesus Christ, which lasts forever. Call now, 888-247-5499, 888-247-5499, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. The book of Jonah gives us an amazing insight into the heart of our missionary God. Jonah might not have liked preaching to Nineveh and seeing the people repent, and he certainly didn't like when God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. But the reason for God's mercy became plain after God sent Jonah a plant and a worm and a wind and the sun. He told Jonah, as you'll remember in chapter four, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. The Lord is merciful. That's the message. He is so merciful. He cares about lost people being saved. Second Peter 3, 9 reminds us he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And yet how much emphasis do we put in our daily lives on reaching lost sinners with the good news of the gospel? And what if undertaking that task were the very very thing that would allow us to make the greatest possible difference with the rest of our lives. Important point to ponder. We're going to discuss it this hour with Ron Hutchcraft, president of Ron Hutchcraft Ministries and co-founder with his late wife, Karen, of On Eagle's Wings, an outreach and leadership development program for Native American, First Nations and Alaskan Native young people. Ron is also host of the radio program, A Word With You. And today we're going to discuss his book called A Life That Matters. Ron, welcome. It's just so great to have you here. Well, thank you. I, I I thought you were supposed to lower expectations. <laughs> you know, but now I can't wait to hear the program. <laughs> well, you're really funny. I, you know what? I have high expectations because every time I talk to you, you knock it out of the park. So no pressure, Ron. But I'm I'm looking forward to talking Boy, about. We're going to talk about baseball now. Okay. Oh no, no, I'll be lost. I'll be lost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no problem. But let's talk about what it means to have a life that matters. I'm wondering, just as a kickoff here, what do people tend to mean? Do you think? When they say, I really want my life to matter, what, what are they essentially trying to express? You know, Janet, uh, everywhere I go uh, and I see my brothers and sisters in Christ, when I say, uh, I believe there are people here who are feeling restless, who feel like there's got to be something more. I'm given, I believe all the right beliefs, I go to all the right meetings, I'm basically living the right way, I give to all the right causes. I may have do I work in the church, but I just I'm still restless. I feel like there's there's more. There's some, something else that should be there. And when I talk about that, and when I use that word restless, it's unbelievable. People are just nodding their heads, and they talk to me afterwards, and it's kind of like, how did you know? <laughs> and I and when I talk about uh, the feeling that, uh, however many years I have left, and nobody knows what that is, I want to make the greatest possible difference with the rest of my life than I've made up until now. 
And, and I'm just finding my brothers and sisters everywhere feel that way. And somebody who's listening is feeling that way today. And all I'm doing is kind of putting words to it. And I do believe that that restlessness is not because we should change churches or pastors uh, or partners <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> or places we live. I think it is because God has placed that restlessness in our hearts. He always precedes the great work he's going to do with restlessness. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that some of it boils down to this. Ecclesiastes said, God has put eternity in the hearts of men. And we have this compartment in our heart that can only be satisfied by things that will last forever. Now, we're fine with that after the funeral. We got that. <laughs> we, if we have staked our hopes on Jesus, we're good for after that. But it's kind of like but my everyday stuff, my going to work, my going to school, my living in the neighborhood, uh, you know, whatever I do for fun, whatever I do for fitness, what... What can, it doesn't seem to have a lot of eternity in it. Right. And we're hungry for that from here till we see Jesus. And that, that's the point. God has put that in us because he's inviting us to join him in the greatest cause on the planet. And that's why the restlessness. We, he wants us in that cause, in that mission that you just described a few minutes ago. But we're so distracted. There's so many causes. There's so much stuff to, to fight on social media. <laughs> uh, we're so busy just with keeping life going. But our master came to seek and to save the lost. He said, follow me. That's the fundamental invitation of the Christian life. Well, I'm going to tell you this. If you are really following Jesus... Before very long, you're going to be with some lost people and telling them about how they can be in heaven with you, because right. that's where Jesus goes. Right, right. That's so important. I, I think you're really hitting on something that resonates with all of us, and that is a restlessness or kind of a boredom even that people yeah. get after a while. I'm going, I'm driving to work, and I'm coming home, and I'm making <laughs> dinner, and I'm yep. dealing with the kids. And Yeah, I mean, we all get bored with the mundane at times, but I think you're talking about something even more important, which is we shouldn't just be considering eternity when we're at a funeral or when we're at a baptism yep. or when we're at some event at church. We should be considering our impact on eternity in our everyday lives. That's where I think it becomes difficult. How do you connect those things that even in your work and even in your associations with neighbors or friends, you have an eternal job to do because you are a Christian? Well, it's true. And uh, think about this. Uh, your uh, situation, whatever that situation is, job, school, team, whatever, hospital, nursing home, your situation is your divine assignment. Right. And you've been assigned by Jesus to be what the Bible calls in 2 Corinthians 5.20, an ambassador for Christ. Well, what's an ambassador? Well, it's somebody who's appointed by the highest authority there is, in, let's, say, let's say the President of the United States, to represent him in a specific location. Well, what's it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? Well, my brother or sister, if you belong to him, you've been appointed by the highest authority in the universe <laughs> to represent him, to be his face, his voice, his hands, his heart at Acme Tool and Die, <laughs> or Central High School, or Community College, 
or Joe's gym, wherever you are, that's... And isn't it interesting that Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. Now notice what he didn't say. You shall go witnessing. Hmm. No, 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 no. It's not an activity to say, I think I will go out witnessing with the pastor. No, 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 no. He said, you shall be. This is your ID. There's never a time you're not. You are always, you shall be, not do my witnessing, be my witness. So, until we see that I have a mission when I go to work in the morning, I have a mission when I go to school each day, I have a mission when I go to the PTA meeting, or when I'm out hunting with some guys, or fishing with some guys, or at the gym with some guys, uh, or ladies, the point is that that means I am to be there looking for opportunities to talk about my Jesus. Now, what we need to talk about, Janet, is a lot of people know that is a should of the Christian life, but they don't have a how that will work for them. Mm. Over and over again, it's like, Ron, I, am, I don't think I'm, I'm adequate. I don't, think, I don't know if I'm responsible, uh, and I don't know if I have the tools. I don't know... If I know enough Bible verses besides, I'm kind of a mess, <laughs> you know, and I don't, I don't have everything together. Well, let me just say that when Jesus wanted to reach Samaria, he didn't go in himself initially. He sent a Samaritan lady of <laughs> questionable credentials, mm-hmm. to say the least, who had just discovered him as the one who could give her eternity in her heart, he sent a Samaritan to reach Samaritans. Well, guess what? People are most likely to listen to someone talk about Jesus who is from their world. Well, I'll tell you what, Ron, hang on just a moment. We need to run to a very quick break. I'm going to pick it up on the other side right at that great point you just made. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, coming back with Ron Hutchcraft. The book is A Life That Matters. Stay with us. The U.N. has called what's happening in Lebanon the worst humanitarian crisis since World War II. COVID-19, political upheaval, a crumbling economy, and two million refugees, children and their families, living in poverty and despair. But in the middle of it all, God is at work. More Muslim-cultured people than ever before are putting their faith and trust in Jesus. And through your generous support, Heart for Lebanon is being used to bring these hurting people from despair to hope. A single gift of $100 helps bring a child and their family survival essentials and the hope of the gospel, which lasts forever. $348 cares for this family for an entire year. We have a goal to take over 50 families off a waiting list that desperately need our help. So we're hoping you'll be as generous as you can when you call 888-247-5499. 888-247-5499. Or there's a Heart for Lebanon banner at JanetMefford.com. Thank you. Ask yourself, what do you pay for health care? Are you single? Do you pay more than $199 a month? Are you a couple? Do you pay more than $299 a month? Do you have a family? Do you pay more than $399 a month? 
Yes, you can serve the entire family with health care for only $399 a month with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals. Sign up at any time of the year. Pick your own doctor and hospital. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now, 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Ron Hutchcraft from Ron Hutchcraft Ministries is here, and I'm so glad he is. We're talking about his book, A Life That Matters, Making the Greatest Possible Difference with the Rest of Your Life. You were talking, Ron, before we went to that last break about Jesus and the woman going into Samaria and the importance of understanding your calling when it comes to telling others about Jesus. And I wanted to let you finish that thought, if you would. Well, yeah, you know, uh, here's a good example. It's in the book that... uh uh, there's a pastor of a mega church who is always meeting his people. He doesn't begin to know them all. And he was meeting this one lady on Sunday morning, and he said, uh, and uh, what's your name? She said, my name is Hazel. And he said, well, what do you do, Hazel? And she said, well, pastor, actually, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a machine operator. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> I love that. That's cute. That is awesome. She's like, no, 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 I'm what I always am as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It just so happens that I am cleverly disguised as a machine operator. Well, let me say to every any believer listen now, what's your clever disguise, man? Mm. See, we are all uh, positioned by what we do, by what we like, by what we're interested in, by our biography, by the junk we've been through, by the junk we've been forgiven of, uh, by the, uh, the storms that we go through. We are positioned and credentialed by those things. So guess what? A a, a mom's most likely to listen to a mom Mm -hmm. and a soccer player to a soccer player and a hunter to a hunter and a golfer to a golfer and a veteran to a veteran and and a senior to a senior and a cancer survivor to a cancer survivor. We could go on and on. We listen to people from our tribe. True. That's true. And so you're in a tribe. Everybody's listening. Is it probably in more than one tribe? You're in a you're in a generational tribe by your generation, an occupational tribe. Uh, you're in a recreational tribe. You're in an associational tribe because you're in Rotary or PTA, or you're in some association by your by your interests. All of that has been to put you into people's lives, who are and you become their best chance at Jesus. You go me. Yeah, uh, you know, Moses had this argument with God when God said, I want you to go and represent me to e- in Egypt to liberate my people. And the conversation, let me summarize it, went something like this. Moses goes, oh, my Lord. And probably someone listening feels that way. God's answer basically was, wrong question, Moses. Who am I? <laughs> this isn't about you. This is about your availability and, and Janet, I think part of the reason that our fear has kept us from telling people what could change their eternal address is that we've overcomplicated. 
telling people about Jesus. I think we have made it look harder and bigger than it really is. And I want to suggest in our remaining time together that there really are four things that everybody who's listening, who has Jesus, has already in your hand. You don't have to go to the seminary. You don't have to memorize a hundred Bible verses. That none of that's bad, um, but you already have these things. And the, and what God is asking you to do, and the reason you're restless, is because He wants you to commit those things, take these things, and say, Lord, I offer these to you, because I understand that that I am here now to help other people have what I found in Jesus. You know, we've just been through an awful lot of of, um, of upheaval and 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 uh, uh, tr- uh, trouble through the the last couple of years with the pandemic and all of the downstream effects of it. Well, interestingly enough, think about this: you have Jesus. You've had hard times, maybe losses that have really hurt, but you had a Savior. You know some people, and you're probably with some of them virtually every day, have never had one day with a Savior. You wouldn't want to have one day without him. No. They've never had one day with him. Amazing. And you know him. They need to know him. And that's why you're in their life, Mm. on divine assignment. How do we get that done? That's the fun part we get to talk about. Well, you said that so well, and I had never heard it put that way before, but I think that's a beautiful way to put it, that there are people who've never had one day with Jesus. And I think of all the hard times I've ever had in my life, I always had yep. Jesus. That, yeah, that's, take Jesus out of that story, uh, and it's, it's pretty scary. Oh, terrifying. Well, and this is a point, Ron, when we talk about lost people, it's easy to throw that phrase around, sinners who don't have a Savior. Yeah, 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 I heard it all before. Can we talk a little bit, as you do in your book, about the future for sinners who don't know their Savior by the time they die? I mean, they're facing hell. And I know that's not popular for people to talk about these days. Everybody is supposed to go to heaven at the end because God is a nice guy. But we know what the Bible teaches. Can you speak to the urgency of the task of telling people about the Lord? Yeah, you know, let's let's talk about the words that God uses in the Bible to describe um, people that, that literally are, are not just a theological category. Uh, they are next door. They are at work. They are, these are people whose names you know, who, who you care about. Yes. And the Bible talks about condemned. It talks about uh, being, in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, being separated forever from the presence of the Lord. Uh, and... It goes on and on and uses the word apalumi, which means to die, to perish, and that does not mean your heart stopping. This means an eternity without relief. This means an eternity <clears throat> without anybody. You say, well, maybe I'll be in hell with my friends. If your friends are there, you won't know it. No. Uh, and so here's, here's what, we, what, what we know, though. Why, I thought the Bible, the gospel is good news. Oh, that's the point. It's because the bad news is so bad that the good news is so good. And the bad news is this, that we, this has never been God's plan for us. He does not want anybody to be without him. He created us for a relationship with him. The Bible says that all things are created by him and for him. The problem is 
I was created for my creator, by my creator, and I have hijacked my life from my creator and lived it for me instead. And the accumulation of that defiance of God, that hijacking, like physical hijacking, carries a death penalty. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The only possible destiny for me, having uh, separated myself from a holy God, he did not separate himself from me. I made the cho- I chose to live without him. Well, the, what the only possible solution or the outcome of that is that I am without him forever, and that is hell. And so uh, what Jesus comes amazingly to show us what God wants for us you see, he sends the only son he has to literally do my hell for me. Mm-hmm. Do yours for you, Janet. To do that for every human being. To pay the death penalty. To feel all of that. Separate. That's why he said on the cross, My God, why have you forsaken me, his, own, his heavenly Father? Why? Because he's carrying my sin. Yes. God, had to, God turned his back on his own son so that he would never have to turn his back on me. <laughs> and so now, if, if I am drowning, I was when I was 10 years old. I didn't know how to swim. I was out in Lake Michigan. Mm. I came out there. If I, had, if I had pushed him away, please don't blame him for my drowning. Yes, right. Blame me for not grabbing the rescuer oh. who had come to save me. A rescuer has come to save us. So we have in our hands the message that tells them how to get to heaven. What a disaster, what a tragedy. If you knew how they could be forgiven, how the the sin that would keep them out of heaven could be forgiven that day and never told them. I don't know if you've ever been to, I have been to a funeral uh, more than once, sadly, of somebody, and when I'm standing there looking in that casket, I can't say that I know they knew Christ and I know where they are. Yep. And I could have told them and I didn't. There uh, is no, it's an awful feeling. I can't think of a worse feeling it is. than I should have, I could have, I didn't. And I didn't. And so it, that's why I want to equip in uh, w- whatever time we have left, I want to equip our listeners now to see that this is something... It is doable, it is within reach, and I want to tell you what you've got in your hand that could literally help change someone's eternity. You talk about making the greatest possible difference with the rest of your life. How about having somebody in heaven for the next hundred million years? (laughs) Wonderful. You can't do better than that. There is no title, no, no promotion, no award, no scholarship, no championship that would even come close to that. You're right. I want to dive into that when we come back from the break. And I wanted to say, Ron, one thing when you were mentioning the fact that Christianity, our modern day version of it, to some extent, has this tendency to become self-focused and self-absorbed. This is part of our problem. We have been sold a bill of goods sometimes that tells us Christianity is about fulfilling you and making your life better and this and that. And in many regards, it's a half truth because certainly your life is a lot better when you're forgiven and reconciled to God. But the problem with that is 
your focus then becomes all about you and your needs and what God does for you. And you're not thinking, number one, about the Lord and his glory and his concern for lost people. And number two, you're not caring about lost people because honestly, that that's in a way it's a different religion to call it Christianity and say it's all about me, 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 me. God gave us the example that it was selflessness on his part, the ultimate selflessness to set aside his glory and to condescend to become an infant and grow up and die like a common criminal on the cross. And that's a a really important thing I want to talk about a little bit more. We're going to pause for a break. Ron Hutchcraft with us, A Life That Matters. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. God is using Heart for Lebanon to bring practical assistance and the gospel to the stricken refugee families in Lebanon. For a gift of $116, you can give a child and his family survival essentials for four months and the hope of Jesus Christ, which lasts forever. Call now, 888-247-5499, 888-247-5499, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for being with us. It's great to have you here and great to have with us Ron Hutchcraft, president of Ron Hutchcraft Ministries and host of the radio program, A Word With You. His book, A Life That Matters, is the one we're discussing this hour. And it really is important for us to make the greatest possible difference with the rest of our lives. Ron, as you've pointed out, I had made a very quick reference at the end of the last segment. I wanted to just finish that. When I was talking about a a remark you made and talk about in your book that modern day Christianity and many ways has become very self-absorbed. It's all about me and my five steps to being more healthy and whatever. And it's fine, but it's it's it doesn't get to the heart of things, which is we are here to glorify God and to be the ambassadors for Jesus Christ that scripture says we are to be. This involves reaching out to other people who don't know Jesus. How do you move a church from being self-absorbed or a particular Christian from being of the more self-absorbed mentality into focusing on God's glory and our own most important task on earth, which is reaching lost sinners with the gospel? I think it starts with, uh, obviously, with our heart, and and that is to realize that uh, there is something more, you are made for more, and that more that you're made for that you're restless for, is to join Jesus in his rescue mission for which he died. It will add a component of eternity and satisfaction and fulfillment, anticipation and excitement about each new day, because you have an eternal mission, and it doesn't mean that you're going to have a chance every day to tell them all about Jesus, but it means that you're going to have a chance today to either show or tell, or both, show and tell, like first grade, show and tell, uh, to, to someone that uh, could have an eternal impact. And you will become the most important person in their life. Secondly, I think it begins when you say, Jesus, would you help me see the people in my life through your eyes? Will you help me see... Jake across the street 
What do you see when you see him? I know what I see. Oh, he's a Democrat, he's a Republican, he's a this, he's a that, he's been vaccinated, he hasn't been vaccinated, whatever. <laughs> Those are categories. You know, Jesus sees casualties. You see maybe labels. He sees lost. <laughs> and if you will ask him to break your heart, and this is the prayer, it is a, it is a loaded prayer, and he will answer it. Go ahead, God, and break my heart. As I see the people in my world, as you do, as future inhabitants of eternity, in one of two places, heaven or hell, and that I may have a part by my silence in one destination, or by my speaking and representing you to the other destination. That's a wake-up call. Now, how do we do it? Well, let me tell you what tools you have. They're right in your hand. First of all, your story. You have a story, and you're an expert on it. <laughs> you yes. know your story. Yes. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15, be always ready to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have. Janet, I call it your hope story. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your hope story? Your hope story is the difference... What's different in your life? What is handled differently? What is responded to differently? What has changed? Because of Jesus. And so, your story, here's the neat thing about it. The the model of it in the Bible, of course, is the blind man who the Pharisees go, well, 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 wait a minute, just a second. What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about the Sabbath? Tell me your Sabbath theology. He's like, ho, 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 I don't know any of that. Let me tell you what I know. I was blind, now I can see. Mm -hmm. In between, Jesus, you figure it out. (laughs) Now, the point is, no one could argue with that. Right. No one said you weren't blind. No one said you can't see. For all of us, there are things that we would not be were it not for Jesus. So someone who's listening today is living proof that Jesus can change an angry man or woman. Someone who's listening right now is living proof that Jesus can change a control freak, <laughs> a self-centered person, a, uh, a, a, a person with an addiction, um, a person uh, who's lived in fear most of their life, a victim who was defined by their pain and their victimhood. But Jesus has changed you. And so you start to go down the list and say, okay, how is it different? Because when you get bad news from the doctor, what if there were no Jesus? <laughs> well, you get bad news from the doctor, you come out with that diagnosis, but you've got Jesus, that's, your, that's part of your hope story. How about at the, at the graveyard? How about the last, uh, last one by the grave? You tell me now. You tell me about the difference Jesus makes at the cemetery or the funeral home. Now, you're beginning to put together your hope story. And now what you do, no one can argue with that. They can argue with your beliefs. They can't argue with your hope story. Now you start to tell how his story of what he did on the cross and that empty tomb, how his story changed your story Hmm. and could change their story 
forever. You can do this because it's your story. And in our gospel-hostile world today, if you share the gospel first person, it's about you. That doesn't threaten me, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm listening to you. You're not coming at me. No, I don't. You're not, you're not after me. You're not trying to rack up a convert here. You're telling me about your life. But in telling about your life, you tell about what him giving his life did to change. That was where the change came from. So your story, here's what the Bible says about it. That woman from Samaria, it says many of the Samaritans believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. And here's the power of your story. Revelation 12 says this, and they overcame the devil by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. You tell about what he did on the cross, and you tell about what he did for you. The word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb, and Satan can't handle it. He's done at that point. So, you have a wonderful story to tell, and you now here's the second thing though. How do I get started? Do you just walk up to somebody and go, "Speaking of Jesus," no, <laughs> which they weren't, and yeah. probably if they were, it wasn't good. Um, now your second thing is your prayer. You know how to pray, but I'm going to suggest to you the three open prayer, and it comes out of Colossians four three and four. Paul said, pray for us that God may open a door for us and that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ clearly as we should. Based on that, just learn to pray this prayer. Lord, open a door. Now, a door is a natural opportunity created by God, a natural opportunity for you to bring up your relationship with Jesus and the difference he makes. It might be something going on in their life, your life, or the world. Lord, open a door. Secondly, Lord, open their heart. Would you, I know this is a thing you do, not me, Lord. I can't do this. But would you get their heart ready? They won't know it, but you get their heart ready for what I'm going to share with them. So, Lord, open the door. Lord, open their heart. Now, here's the big one. Lord, open my mouth. Mm, Good. (laughs) That means give me the courage. Give me the words to say. And some people who are listening, you know, you were talking to somebody about Jesus, and you ended up saying things you didn't even know where that came from. True. That's him giving you the words. He will deliver on that. And, or, and the right tone. Sometimes we come at it, we sound angry, or we sound like we're trying to talk them into something, uh, or condemning, we sound condemning. This isn't about their lifestyle. They live like they live because they're lost. That's right. You That's don't right. clean fish before you catch them. Yeah, you're right, Ron. Hang on. We do need to go to one last break. Ron Hutchcraft with us. A Life That Matters is his book. And we'll come right back to the discussion on Janet Meffer today.
This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. Authorities in China are making life difficult for Christians. It's against the law to share Christ with children under age 18. We cannot preach to children under 18. That is their practice and law. But when the parents bring kids to the church, when you can teach them English and then you can send the gift of gospel to them, it is a great joy. Believers are teaching English to young people using a Bible League program that uses God's Word as the source of the reading assignments. And many are coming to embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior and sharing Him with their families. Please join Bible League in sending God's Word to Bibleist believers in China and around the world for only $5 per Bible. $50 sends 10, $500 sends 100. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Thank you for your support. Over 169,000 babies saved and more than 51,000 commitments to Christ through the Ministry of Preborn as they celebrate 15 years of saving babies' lives. Here's Dan Steiner, president of Preborn. This is a reflection of God's heart as the father to the fatherless to be able to look across America and see this tragedy, this holocaust of abortion, and know that people like you are doing something about it. It's one thing to say that we're against abortion, but it's really another to take action. Will you join Preborn in providing hope, love, free ultrasounds, and the gospel in action across America? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help to rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a preborn banner to click at JanetMefford.com. All gifts are tax deductible. 855-402-BABY. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. One of the greatest things about being a Christian is that you have a place, a unique place in the kingdom of God. You have unique talents and gifts, spiritual gifts given to you by the Lord to be his ambassador here on earth. And so if you are one of those Christians who's saying, my life is kind of boring, I'm not really making much of a difference, you need to listen to Ron Hutchcraft, my guest from Ron Hutchcraft Ministries. We're talking about his book called A Life That Matters and discussing how important it is, the divine appointment that we have as his ambassadors to share the good news of Jesus with others. And it's not as hard as you think. It might be daunting, but it's not hard. And you have laid out some of those ways, Ron, when you've discussed the fact that this prayer that we should have is for the Lord to open a door, open their hearts, that is the person we desire to talk to about Jesus, and then open our mouths. Now we get to this point, and a lot of people will say, well, that's where I get hung up. I can pray for God to open the door. I can pray that he would open their hearts to be receptive. It's the opening my mouth and getting it right part that I have a problem with, Ron. You've said I should share my story and share my own testimony, and no one can argue with that and use that as a gateway to sharing the gospel. But what if I bomb? What if I say the wrong thing? Uh, How in the world do I show this person I love him or I love her regardless of the outcome? I don't necessarily have to close the deal on bringing the person to Christ in the first conversation. Some Christians do feel pressure to do that. What do you say to that person about opening their mouth and not being intimidated to go forward and speak about the Lord to others? You know, uh, it's interesting that that Jesus said to his people, you are the light of the world. And uh, I don't think we're always perceived as light because there's too much darkness in the way we communicate. Mm. You know, Christians have a reputation for being angry, 
and negative, condemning, judgmental, and whether fair or not, uh, I work hard at trying to be a different kind of Christian <laughs> than they may have met. And when we're, when we're on social media, we get sucked into the, the vortex of uh, the, the edginess and the harshness there. Peter, of all people, now let's remember, this guy was the ear surgeon of the disciples. <laughs> yes, remember, yes. He chopped off an ear in the yeah. Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Well, Peter, of all people, tells us that when we give our hope story, he tells us how to do it with gentleness and respect. Now, the question is, how do people feel when I do talk to them about Jesus? How do I treat them in everyday life, which is laying the groundwork, winning you the right to be heard? When this natural opportunity comes up, it will be, it, 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 it is natural because it's something that gives you this opportunity to talk about it, your experience with that kind of thing and and the difference Jesus made. But you do it in a first-person way. Now, fear, you are absolutely right that fear is the reason we stop short of telling people about Jesus. And of course, hopefully you've laid the groundwork. You don't have to dump everything at one time unless God gives you that opportunity. You are just integrating that Jesus is is an, an active, energizing, uh, equipping, comforting uh, force, a person in your life. And so uh, they're used to you, and you, you are the one person that makes them feel safe. The Christian is the one who says, I f-, they, they may not ever say it, but they feel safe with you. Now, here's the thing about fear. I, I believe that when a firefighter goes into a burning building, they're scared. I believe when those, when those rescuers went into the rubble of the World Trade Center, or before it collapsed, I believe that they were scared to death. Yeah. When, they, when the GIs got out of those boats and hit the beach on D-Day, a correspondent said, courage is not the absence of fear. It is the disregard of it. Mm-hmm. And so... What you make, you say, Lord, I am not going to let my fear, I'm not, I am afraid, but I'm not going to let my fear decide what I do. Because my fears, if I go over them, what will they think of me? I might mess it up. Go through your list of fears. They're all about you. Mm. Your reasons for talking to them about Jesus are all about him and all about them. Great point. And so the reason that a, 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 a rescuer will go into a dangerous situation as they say, they run in when others run out, is because of this. They have a greater fear of what will happen to them if they go in. No, their greater fear is what will happen to the people in there if they don't go in. How about being afraid of what will happen to your neighbor? What will be afraid to happen to your your, your co-worker? Let's be afraid of what will happen to them. And in so doing, realize that you know, I have gloves that do nothing. They're laying around right now. But they, and they can't do anything. They're useless until I put my hand in them. And suddenly it's amazing the things that glove can do. <laughs> you say, well, Ron, it's your hand. Hey, my friend, you're God's glove in this process. Mm-hmm. You're not the hand. Yes. He's the hand picking up your personality, your relationship with that person. The fact that they hopefully have seen in you a quality of compassion and love and caring that makes him feel gentled 
respected and safe. And um, that, I believe, that greater fear becomes, and, and, and the love of Christ constrains you. Our Lord, help me love him enough to tell him. Um, and this is not about what happens to me. This is about what will happen to them. Do I want to be a part of them in an, in an unspeakable eternity, partly because of my silence? That's like a silent death sentence, sort of. And so, here, you've got, you've got, you pray for God to open the door and pave the way. You, 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 you wrap your, your gospel in, the, in your own hope story, which you know well. You tell them about a relationship that is not a religion. That's a huge news bulletin mm-hmm. to most people. Mm-hmm. That this is a relationship, and if in the book uh, a, a Life That Matters, there's a simple non-religious way to express that. That there's a relationship we're created to have, we don't have, we can have, and you must choose. And you can see how to flesh that out in in that book, and uh, and then. Um, You've you've got the relationship, you've got the prayer now, you've got the hope story, you've got the story to tell. Now it's just a matter of well, I think I can I can best wrap this up with with a quick story. When the Titanic went down, there were twenty two hundred passengers, fifteen hundred died, seven hundred survived. Now when the ship went down, they they lowered the lifeboats, but they only filled them halfway. Twenty lifeboats, most of them half empty. Plenty of room for more people. There are hundreds of people in the water now who got a life jacket. They didn't. They didn't die in the in the sinking. And the the survivors would testify years later that they could never forget the voices of the people in the water. Help me, help me. Mm. And yet, amazingly, the ro- the lifeboats just kept rowing away. Mm. And when the funeral ships came from Nova Scotia three, year, three uh, days later, they came on this ghastly scene. There were 328 people floating in their life jackets, frozen to death. Uh, yes. Now, why did they die? Not because the Titanic sank. No, they survived that. It's because the people who already saved did nothing about the people that were within their reach who were dying. Right. And I say, dear God, is that us? And, you know, we're, we're in the lifeboat enjoying the fellowship of the already rescued, uh, singing our lifeboat songs, going to our lifeboat committee meetings, making a bigger and better and more comfortable lifeboat for the people who are already in. How about we turn our lifeboat around and let your life be a lifeboat to pull as many people in as you possibly can between now and the time you see Jesus so that you'll be in heaven with them forever that's a life that matters that's excellent ron i couldn't agree more with you and when we remember in those moments of fear that we might feel when we are reaching out to somebody who doesn't yet know jesus we've got to keep that in mind and also keep in mind that we are planting and watering and it's god who gives the growth god wants people not to perish but to for everybody to come to repentance as i quoted at the beginning of the show he has a vested interest in working in that person's life even more than we do and i think that 
that that takes some of the pressure off as well. But what a wonderful book. You should check it out. A Life That Matters, Making the Greatest Possible Difference with the Rest of Your Life, written by my guest, Ron Hutchcraft. And it is always a delight to talk to you, Ron. Thank you so much for the encouragement. We really appreciate you and your ministry. And thank you so much for being with us. Janet, it's an honor to be with you. Thanks for the uh, conversation today. And I just believe that there's somebody on the other side of this conversation who's a friend or a family member of a Christian listener who ultimately, maybe because we were together today, we'll see in heaven someday. I hope so, too. We'll pray for that person. Thank you, Ron. Thanks for joining us on Janet Meffer today. We've got to go, but hopefully we'll see you next time. God bless you. This hour of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you in part by Heart for Lebanon. Call 888-247-5499 to give desperate people help and the hope of the gospel. 888-247-5499.